right. Well, good morning, everybody. Hope everybody uh, was up earlier this morning or enjoyed their extra hour of sleep, whichever way you look at it. Well, uh, just uh, just a little uh, enlightenment here. This is an interesting week. We got a lot going on, especially on Tuesday. Then uh, we get out and uh, work the ballots. And Friday we celebrate the veterans. Father God, we just thank you for today. We thank you that uh, we can get together, that we can pray, that we can worship you, that we can honor you, and most of all, we can always glorify you, not only to our, with ourselves or for ourselves, but with those that we love. Lord Jesus, continue to bless us, watch over us, keep us safe this week, give us the, the knowledge that we need to have this week, and, and we just want to thank you. Thank you, thank you for who you are and what you are. Lord, we just ask you to continue to bless us in your special way, in your special name, in your precious name, in your holy name, we pray. Amen and amen. Amen. If I can read for you our scripture lesson text, I'm going to read Exodus chapter 7. We're going to begin at verse 1. The Lord answered Moses, See, I have made you like God to Pharaoh, and Aaron your brother will be your prophet. You must say whatever I command you. Then Aaron, your brother, must declare it to Pharaoh so that it will let the Israelites, so he, excuse me, will let the Israelites go from his hand. Not it, he. I'm assuming Pharaoh was not gender confused. But I will harden. Pharaoh's heart multiply my signs and wonders in the land of Egypt Pharaoh will not listen to you but I will put my hand into Egypt and bring the military division of my people the Israelites out of the land of Egypt by great acts of judgment I'm going to read that again Pharaoh verse 4 will not listen to you that I will put my hand into Egypt and bring the military division of my people, the Israelites, out of the land of Egypt by great acts of judgment. The Egyptians will know that I am the Lord when I stretch out my hand against Egypt and bring out the Israelites from among them. That is the word for us to meditate on this morning. Mama, lovely Belle, if you will. All right. Thank you. 
Morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good afternoon. Good evening. Oh wow. All of those who may still be well, you know, some folks still living in yesterday. Oh wow. Uh, and then there's and then there's others who are very progressive and they're living in tomorrow. Oh gracious. So we want to make we want to make sure we cover everybody. It's a beautiful morning. I, I I trust that this time situation has not uh, caused you too much stress. Uh, we have one more time to turn our clocks, and then that'll be it. And uh, hopefully, I won't have to uh, deal with the wet spot. You know, Mama Bell, I pulled the clock off the wall. I didn't want to go back. Thanks. Yeah, and, and so I, I'm already ready for uh, next spring when we uh, turn these clocks back and they will remain that way permanently. And then the only time you have to pull it off when the battery dies. It hasn't been decided yet. You just hurt my heart. <laughs> it's still fighting. <laughs> Well, in that case, why not? Anyway, I'm going to move on because, see, you had to go ruin my day. It was beautiful. I was having a nice day, and then she had to go tell me that. Well, I got to live with the truth. You know, sometimes, Mama Bell, I want to live in disinformation. Not always. But morning, people, fine friends. This morning, one thing that we do know that is happening is that in two days, our election will uh, conclude. Uh, the ballots will all get cast. The votes all tallied. We hope at least in the, in the local situation, it won't take that long. In more national uh, situations, it might take a little bit of time. So please uh, uh, don't get excited if you do not know I was listening to an article or a podcast should I say and it said that uh, we are living in the day where election night is over there is no such thing as election night anymore it's more like election week 
because of the various ways that we vote now through uh, uh, ballot. Uh, can't think of what I, I lost my train of thought. Through uh, vote by mail. Uh, in some places like California, they have ballot drop-off boxes. And so the fine folks have to go by on Tuesday after the polls close. They have to actually go by and pick up all those ballots. They're not allowed to, to pick those ballots up out of those boxes until the polls close at 7 p.m. So uh, in some states, you're going to have people going around. They won't get all that stuff collected till about 11, 12 o'clock, and then they got to come back and count them. So, so it's election week is the moral of the story. So please uh, keep yourself in prayer and keep yourself calm. I, I would ask for you to do something over the next three days, beginning with today, all the way up to Wednesday. If you will uh, open your uh, mornings, or however you wish to do it, uh, Pastor Booth uh, definitely has options. I don't want to throw him under the bus, but he has a prayer time every morning. Again, I'm not trying to throw them under the bus. I'm just showing you where those options are available. Uh, But over the next three days, if you will keep this election in prayer, we're praying that there is sound judgment in our streets, that we're not going to the polls. I made a mistake, and I don't like that word, but I'm going to use it. I made a mistake, and I realized it after I had done it. After my ballot was sealed and sent off, that in some cases I had voted for the wrong person. Here's what I found. I don't know why Siri wanted to tell me that. And so I realized that in making that mistake that we really need to pray over our ballots before we seal them. Because sometimes we'll go and put the wrong name on that. As I did. I had a conversation with a gentleman named Dr. Leon Rousen. And he's running for school board on in Norfolk Ward 4 and we had a conversation a couple of days ago and Mama Bell we agreed about 97% of the time and I realized that I should have had that conversation earlier and I did not and so there's a lot of folks who are going down and they're voting now Mama Bell and I'm hearing in the streets that they're voting and they're regretting already their vote. And so we're praying that the people that are left, as one lady told me, she said, I pray every night, I pray every night that there's enough people left to override my mistake. And just like she, I pray that there's enough people to override the mistake I personally made. And so if you haven't voted, I ask for you to not vote based on what you see because as I can personally tell you, it will deceive you. Do not vote based on what you hear. As I personally can tell you, it will deceive you. 
but go down and see that ballot and vote based on what you hear the Lord telling you. And if you do that, if you convince others to do that, we believe that this election will go the way that we need it to go. And I'm not trying to say that I'm God. I think that's a little bit conceited. But then again, there's a borderline between confidence and conceited. And so I ask that we all come together at least over the next three days and pray for that. Pastor Booth is going to begin that in just a few moments when he prays for us. And then if you can not only pray, but get on that phone Call all your friends and make sure that they're going out to vote. Get on the phone and and, and, and don't argue with them because some folks want to argue. But don't do that. As a matter of fact, I ask that you even pray who to call. Some folks ain't worthy of your time. You only got about... 36 hours over the next some folk ain't worthy you talk to but Lord who should I get on this phone and call and then whoever you tell me to call is going to be like striking gold so I ask you to pray for people and then if you one of those who can get out there and go to the polls and say a few words do that too there's options and various ways that we can support over the next two days and then on Wednesday morning on Wednesday morning Mama Bell we believe that we'll be able to come together and we're going to have something to celebrate we'll talk about that a little bit later on but for now we enter a season of sincere and heartfelt prayer. Pastor Booth will do that with us now. Most gracious God, our Father, we honor you, we praise you, give you glory and honor for this day. We thank you, Lord God, for you being a faithful God. Thank you. Yeah. You woke us up this morning, you clothed us in our right mind. Yes, Lord. And you have given us the activities of our limbs. We thank you because it's because of you that we live, we move, and we have our being. We thank you, Lord God, for the shelter that is over our heads and the food that's on our table. Yes, Lord. We thank you, Lord God, that we are able to go to the refrigerator. Not only does the light come on, but it has trouble coming on because some things in front of it. Mm. And we thank you, Lord God, for that. We thank you for the angels that you had provided towards us and for us that watched over us all last night. Trouble was down the street and around the corner, but it did not come now our dwelling. We thank you, Lord God, for Psalms 91 being active in our life and over our lives, that we don't have to fear no one but you, Lord God. And as children of your most high kingdom, as your, as your ambassadors, as the people that you have chosen at this day and this time, to be listeners of this prayer this morning. Most of all, we come together collectively, buying on our faith together, lifting up prayers to you, 
knowing that, God, when we pray, they don't come back void, but they accomplish everything that we send them out to do. Yes, Lord. We thank you because there are some lingering prayers that Mama prayed for us. There are some lingering prayers that Great Grandmama prayed for us. There are some prayers that is lingering. Yes, that before yes. we even was thought about, Lord God, before people were taken from their land, God, there is prayers that are yet being answered. Yes, we yes. thank you for that. We thank you for orchestrating our lives to the point that we know who you are and we depend upon you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some people, they depend upon their color. They they depend upon their prestige. They they, they depend upon their money. They, they depend upon what neighborhood they live in. They, they depend upon who they know. But we, your people, in the midst of we might have all of those people we can depend upon. We depend upon you more so than anybody else. Amen. Yes, Lord. Because it was you, Lord God, when there was no one else that we can turn to in the midnight hour with our bed, with our pillows full of tears, God. We was able to turn to you, Lord God, and we thank you for that. Yes, Lord. And, Father, as we pray this day, Lord God, as we are in this election season, yes. as many of People, Lord God, this whole country, Lord God, is able now to put into office and vote for people, Lord God, that we feel that is is our candidate that is capable of doing that which you have given them to do. Now, Lord God, I pray, God, that you will look upon the hearts of the people that are voting. I pray, God, that you will touch their hearts. I pray, Lord God, that they will exercise their right. And, Lord God, and I pray, Lord God, that they will take their rights to the rolling boots. And I pray, Lord God, that you will bless them. I pray, Lord God, in Jesus' name, Lord God, that you would just open up the windows of heaven, Lord Father, in Jesus' name, we just pray, Lord God, that you would just just move by your power like only you can. I pray, God, that you would give them the hearts, Lord God, to to celebrate those who who need to be in office, Lord God, to have your heart that will fight for the will of the average man, the man that may not have all of the money that they need or have all of the necessities that they need. I pray, Lord God, that you will fight for the candidates, that will fight for those who need, Lord God, uh, legal and they need the representation, Lord God, that they need to be able to live a life, Lord God in their neighborhoods and in their homes, feel that they have someone that is fighting for them and will fight with them and for them in Jesus' name. Father, we just pray, Lord God, in Jesus' name, God, that you will work by your power like only you can. You are great, God, and you're greatly to be praised. That's why we depend upon you. We trust you, Lord God, and we give you the praise and the honor, Lord God, that we can lean upon you. When we can't lean upon no one else, we can lean upon you. Now, Lord God, we pray for the candidates. We pray for those who are in line, Lord God, to take on the hymns of those who are before them. I pray, Lord God, for each and every candidate, Lord God, but I pray for your candidate that will rise above them all. Father, we have one here with us this morning, and we pray, Lord God, that before the beginning of time, God, you have been anointed, Lord God, to do what you have called us to do. 
and you have anointed this young man. And I pray, Lord God, in Jesus' name, God, that you would touch him, Lord God, that you would give him what he needs. I pray, God, that favor will continually to be over his life. I pray, God, that you will continue to touch hearts on his behalf. Yes. I pray, Lord God, in Jesus' name, Lord God, at the end of the day, when the, the counts have been made, Lord God, and I pray, Lord God, that when the tabulation has been given, I pray, Lord God, victory all over it. Eric, the son, Eric's name, yes. Lord God, in Jesus' name. Oh, God, yes. I pray, God, that you will just move by your power. Yes, and he spoke this morning, Lord God. There are some people that made some mistakes, Lord God, and I pray, Lord God, in the midst of all of that, Lord, that you, Lord God, Right. Will, will, will have mercy, Lord God, and those who feel that they have made a wrong choice. And, and God, and I pray, God, in Jesus' name, uh, yeah, I pray, Lord God, that you will make the, the necessary changes, Lord God, touch the necessary hearts to do what you have to do. Yes. God, we thank you for the victory. I pray sweet rest upon them. I pray, God, your strength upon them. I pray, Lord God, that he will not get weary in his way of doing. Yes, but I Lord. pray, God, that he continues to pursue in you that in due season, Lord God, in oh. due season, Lord God, that he, Lord God, will be blessed in Jesus' name. God, we thank you for it. We declare it to be so. According to who you are, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. And amen. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. We thank you. Thank you, Jesus. I would like to return you to that good book of Exodus and I would like to focus on one verse one verse in number five chapter seven The Corsinian, oh, that's not right. The 757, oh, that's not right. Ward 4, oh, no, that's not right either. Hampton Road, no, I'm not reading right. The Egyptians, I'll go with that, I don't like it. We'll know that I am the Lord. When I stretch out my hand against Egypt and bring out the Israelites from among them. The Egyptians will know that I am the Lord when I stretch out my hand against Egypt and bring out the Israelites from among them. I would like for us to meditate on that. Mama Bell plays, I love this song that we need to know around here. We always need to be reminded that Jesus loves us. And she will do that. But while she's playing that, I would like for you to think from the thought. <laughs> the battle is won. We're just waiting to hear it. <laughs> 
the battle is won. We're just waiting to hear it. that I hate series and I don't really do them. Uh, You have some preachers who plan out their messages and they sit down and they they work out these curriculums, if you will. I I really don't feel like doing that. I'm not that kind of guy. Because, you see, uh, I can tell you next or last Sunday, uh, next Sunday, I'm going to talk about John. Then I get to Saturday night, and I don't like John no more. And so I don't want to tell you that I'm going to do something, and then I'm not going to do it. So I'm, I didn't come from that that community of series preachers. But I've been on this tangent here lately in, in Moses. This is the second time that we've been on this tangent, at least in our time together, earlier in our our time as a community. We talked about Moses. It might have been a year or two ago. I don't remember. The time escapes me, but I know we did it. And the fascinating thing is that I see Moses a lot differently now than I saw him then. Oh, he was the great deliverer. He was the emancipator, if you will. But Moses now takes on a new view. I used to hear those old preachers, as they would say, uh, they could preach for 50 years off the same verse and never say the same thing. 
because every time they open it and read it, they would get a new enlightenment. Every time they saw it, they realized something that they missed before. I missed Moses before. I missed the fact that Moses was the the pillar of society. He had the connections. He he was a part of the, the fraternities. He he was in the higher echelon. He he had all the the priests and the the potentates at his corner. There was a moment in time when Moses name was running throughout Egypt. He was the guy. He was being groomed to take the position. And and if you look at it from certain perspectives and, and peel back certain historical viewpoints, you will find that there was a time when other persons who were in the same boat as Moses felt some type of way to give you a view that uh, could potentially make sense. When you look in, when you look in Egypt, not Egypt, England, Siri constantly wants to interrupt us. I don't know why she knows it. And intrusive, too. But when you look in the words of England, we know that William is the guy. We know that William will come behind King Charles. But think about it from this perspective of Harry was angry, if he was plotting, if he was the one that was on the sidelines wishing death upon William, certain arguments will be definitely or have been definitely written and told that this was the case in the land of Egypt as it pertains to Moses. But I didn't come to talk about that. That's not the part that interests me. The part that interests me was how Moses, who was in this position of power, who who had this extreme amount of influence, and then all of a sudden he was stripped. And I wondered about that. I processed it. I was laying down last night talking to myself. I do that a lot, Mama Bear, because I want an expert opinion. And I feel that if I talk to myself, I'm the only one who knows myself, so it's an expert opinion. But in my conversation, something triggered my brain. What if? Moses being stripped was not 
a bad thing. What if Moses being stripped was not a problem? I was watching a TV show, and it was about these gangsters. And uh, one of the lines the gangster always said, the head gangster always said, is you see problems and I see opportunities. I took that. Many times in our society and our culture, we focus on problems and not on promises. There was a song they used to sing back in the day, standing not on the problems, but standing on the promises. That every problem presents an opportunity. So what if this moment of Moses' stripping, his social, political, and economic detox, if you will, was all by design? What if it was God's way of peeling back all the resources? You say, well, do you have biblical precedent to make this argument? Well, sure, sure, I do. You go back or you go forward and you look at a time when there was various acts of war. Gentlemen went to battle with some 30,000 men and every he was assessment, he and God. They would have a little conference, a little board meeting, strategy session. He said, yes, I can come about the north and I can put about 10,000 here and another five over there and I got that little hole right there. I can stuck about two in. I don't really need much of that. And then I can put five there. And then, yeah, I, I can do it with these 30,000. He said, okay, really? You can? Yeah, all right. You got too much. And he shrunk it down. And he said, well, I told you I didn't really need that corn over there. So losing that 5,000 was fine because that, that would just be, you know, extra space. Uh, but but, but we, we, we got a good system here. I, I can work with that. Oh, yeah. I got to cut some more out. The moral of the story is it got down to the point where our friend said, I just ain't got no hope. He said, that's where I like it. What if Moses was put in this situation, was weakened, so that there was no possible human way that what he was expressing could happen. What if that was the possible way? But then there's something else to put into mindset here. Even though Moses was weakened, even though Moses was stripped, there was still on him 
He still had the awe, the presence. There was something about him. Well, society is against him, and he has no money. He has no resources. He can't put billboards in the air. But it's still something about him. He's got something I don't have, says Pharaoh. And God came down and chatted with Moses. He said, listen, no, you don't have all the potentates, but he's still scared of you. That's why he's acting the way he's acting, Pharaoh is, because he's trying to mount all of the resources against you, all of the forces against you, all of the things that you lost. He's trying to turn all your friends on you because he's scared of you. I'm not making it up. Read chapter 1, chapter 7, verse 1, excuse me, right there in black and white. Pharaoh was scared of Moses. Well, how do you get that out of the text? Well, let's read it. Since you don't believe me. I understand. Sometimes I don't believe myself. That's why I read. See, the Lord answered, I have made you like God. To Pharaoh. Now, who do you know that will look in the face of God and not get scared? Who do you know that would look at something that they know can destroy them and not get scared? You don't know nobody, yourself included. God had positioned Moses in such a way that Pharaoh knew who he was. But the problem was Moses didn't know who he was. I had to learn that lesson a long time ago. And to some degree, still learning that lesson. Sometimes you got to see what other people see. Sometimes you got to hear what other people hear. When you beat yourself up and throw in a towel and listen to their criticism. Eric, you ain't this. Eric, you ain't that. I don't see how you think you this person. Who do you think you are? All of those are affirmations. You didn't say you didn't tell nobody you was great, but they saw the greatness, and that's why they're attacking it. You didn't tell nobody that you was a know-it-all, but they saw that you knew more than they knew. And that's why they're attacking it. Amen. I come to church therapy. Y'all sit there and listen to me. Amen. And so now we have Moses. 
who has to go to his own therapy session. And in going to his therapy session, he has to sit down with his therapy, his therapist, Dr. I Am. And Dr. I Am professes as Moses is laying on the proverbial couch of counseling. See? Look at it through his eyes. I took you to and marched you back into Egypt after what you did, mind you. You was on the run, don't you remember? You was out there in the wilderness, minding your business, and I marched yourself right back into Egypt. Look square in the eye, did I? Put you face to face, eyeball to eyeball, with the man who has a warrant out for your arrest, and he couldn't do nothing to you. What are you thinking, Moses? And then I marched you back into Egypt and let you look that man in the face. You ain't got no money. You ain't got no political influence. You ain't got no resources. I know I'm talking bad English, but you ain't got nothing. And I let you look that man in the face, the most powerful man in the land. I let you walk in and tell him I'm taking all these people right out of this door. million people and I'm going to walk him right out the front door I'm not going to sneak him out I'm not going to manipulate him in the day or the night I'm going to walk him right out the front door And, and oh let me add this in to that if it won't bad enough Mr. Pharaoh, that I'm going to walk him out the door. Let me tell you what you're going to do. You're going to open the door and hold it so it don't shut on nobody. Moses had to walk in and tell the people that that was the policy. He won't lead us. The election hadn't happened yet. Moses' name wasn't on the ballot yet, but Moses had already declared himself. That's crazy, ain't it? Why would you walk in and start strategizing and start planning and tell your plans when you have nothing to back them up on? Not humanly, at least. I went to the the store one day when we were getting ready for the tech class, I believe it was, and I met this young lady, and this young lady told me, she said, uh, I want you to do something for me. I said, all right, what is it? She says, I want you to go out and keep doing your work. 
And I looked up at her. She said, I want you to go out and keep doing your work. You show the people what God's going to do for you. And then watch God back you up. Now, there were those in the political sphere, in the in the social economic sphere who who contradicted that argument, who said that that was the dumbest advice I've ever heard. Don't go out and tell nobody what you're going to do. Don't go out and put your plans out there. You put your plans out there, and then you lose. Now you ain't got nothing. Not only do you not have a job, but everything that you put out there, every idea, every project, every program is now exposed for somebody to steal it and leave you with nothing. And I went against I went against that advice. And I put everything out there on the line. I told the people that I was coming to rebuild Calvary Towers. I told them I was going to do it. I told the people that we were going to create programs and creativity and build a community that celebrated our artists and our creative minds. I told them we were going to do it. I told them that we were going to march people not just in the city hall, but we were going to march people into opportunities that they didn't know they could have. I told them we were going to do it. And they said to me, Eric, that was the dumbest thing you could have done. And then I turned to Brother Moses, and I said, sir, you did it. And it worked for you. So if it worked for you, Brother Moses, why can't it work for me? I say this all the time. I I don't mean to put people on out there, but please forgive me. I don't think he'd mind, but Pastor Booth had moved some time ago and he solicited my services to help him move. And when he solicited my services to help him move, we uh, did the deed and moved him into his new place. And, and I remember standing in a particular spot. I'm not going to tell you where it is. So I ain't going to put his business out there. He can do that if he wants. But I particular part, the spot, not a pot. It was a spot. Lord, the man don't live in a pot. He lives in a spot. And I stood there, and I said, Lord, if you can do this for him, you could do it for me. And I don't know how long the timeline was between that move and mine, but God moved me just like he moved him. And I stand here once again 
with that same mentality. If you did it for Moses, you can do it for me. If you helped Moses and led 3.5 million people out of slavery, you can lead 237,000 people out of disenfranchisement. You can encourage 237,000 people. You can stop 237,000 people from shooting and killing each other. You can allow 237,000 people to believe in each other. If you did it for 3.5 million, this little hole right here is just a drop in the bucket. But then, that fear of contradiction, I'm going to try to finish this up. I feel long. I just want to talk about this today, but I'm going to, I'm going to respect your time. Then I think about what happened after they left Egypt, and I don't know if we will get that far because I don't, see too much more of us spending in Egypt or Exodus for that matter. When I think about the fact that it took 40 years to do something that really could have happened in 40 days, something else came into my mind. 3.5 million people walked out of Egypt. That didn't mean 3.5 million people wanted it. million people got delivered. That doesn't mean 3.5 million people believed it. So in this journey, I must warn you of one of two things. 237,000 people will walk out, but that doesn't mean 237,000 people want to be delivered. 237 people will walk out, but that don't mean 237,000 people going to love each other. But out of that 237,000, it's a slew of them who are desperate. And not only... Is there a slew of them inside of the 237,000? But there are another 237,000 that we have not seen yet. Eyes have not seen, ears have not heard. They have not had their Jeremiah experience. They have not been formed yet. But because of the exodus, Jeremiah can be ordained. Because of the exodus, Jeremiah can have some plans. So I tell myself in a moment of therapy, and I ask you to join me in this thought, if you choose, 
don't worry about the crazy folks. Folks still going to go to jail. Don't worry. The bail bondsmen will still have a job come Tuesday. Because folks still going to jail. Folks still going to kill each other. But the thing that's important is not that we stop crying. It's not that we stop people from feeling the way they're feeling. The thing that's important is that at the end of the day, 3.5 million people walked out of Egypt. 3.5 million people went from what they had to do to what they chose to do. And at the end of the day, if we can say we made sure everybody had a choice, that if you failed, it was your fault. If you went to jail, it was your fault. If you felt that you had to participate in an act of crime, it was your fault. If you succumbed to the system that we told you was killing you, it's your fault. Those people who died in the wilderness did not die by force. They died by choice. They chose not to believe. They chose not to achieve. And then my final point, and I'm going to let you go. I appreciate your time. That last part. Then Egypt will know. Not the highfalutin, not the potentates, not because of a stimulus package, but they will know that God has delivered me. Now, I must also take this into consideration. A whole lot of people know something. That don't mean they're going to believe it. He didn't say they were going to believe. He didn't say they were going to act on it. He didn't say the whole world was going to get saved. He said they will know. There's a whole lot of folks out here that know. Don't be discouraged. Don't lose sight. They already know. Don't go and scratch holes in your head and cry yourself to sleep. They already know. You don't know, but they know. You can't see it, but they can see it. They see the signs. They see the wonders. But the thing that they're trying to do 
is they're trying to mask it with their power. You can't tell me that some folk didn't put things in particular places because they knew I was going to see it. They put little birds in ass and sent them to certain places that they know I was going to be. They knew what they were doing. That was Pharaoh's oppression. And I'm not here to call anybody Pharaoh. I'm not trying to discourage anybody. I'm going to tell you like Roy Perry Bay told us on Thursday night. I'm just pointing out the facts, not the people. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. I need you to understand that. I'm not fighting folks. Because I know they got no clue. Father, forgive them. Don't know what they're doing. Pastor Booth preached a couple of years ago, if they had known. That's why I know they don't know what they're doing. Because if they really thought about this, they wouldn't go and attack God's children. You can attack your own people. But when you come up against God's folks, you, you don't know what you're doing. You don't steal from God's people. You don't steal from God's people. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Then my my final point, and I said that three times, and I forgive me. Please forgive me, should I say. Actually, I hadn't finished with it. I just wanted to go back to it. They will know. They will know all the people that are walking around depressed. They will know. It's not about a boy. Not about a seat. Don't nobody care about that council chair. Don't nobody care about the pop and circumstance of it. Ain't nobody caring about them dinners you got to go to with the two chicken legs and five string beans. $75 a plate. Don't nobody care about them dinners. $100 a plate for a little square piece of meatloaf. Don't nobody care about them dinners. All right, how are y'all? Nice to see you. Good now. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. No. But it's about the right. It is about freedom. It's about knowing that God has not forgotten about me. It's about knowing that I wasn't born for nothing. That's what this is about. That just because I'm old don't mean I'm dead. 
just because I can't move no more don't mean I should be kicked aside. Just because I didn't come from certain communities doesn't mean that I don't know nothing. I might not have went to an ivy. I might have dropped out of Norfolk State, but that still doesn't mean that God can't use little old me. Mr. Chairman, I would like to make an addendum. Mr. Clerk of the court, I would like to make an addendum. Mr. Election Official, I would like to make an addendum two days before the election. I would like to remove the name of Eric Deshaun Barrett from the ballot. He don't matter no more. And in his place, I would like to put I am that I am. Rip up them signs off the street, half of them gone anyway. Don't nobody care no more. I am that I am can buy his own billboard. I am that I am can put his own sign, not in your backyard or your front. Not on your corner, but in your heart. I am that I am is on the ballot now. And I dare you. I dare you to challenge him. I dare you to believe that you can defeat him. I am that I am. And then, I'm finished this time, I promise. I felt Baptist today. Baptist closed 19 times. I only did 10, so, you know, I'm still in for a few. And then, we go back to that point. Because in the next two days, Oh, they're going to try. They're going to do crazy things. They're going to scare the daylights out of you. But in the words of the old hymnologist, be not dismayed. Whatever be tied, God will take care of you. Beneath his wings, of love abide, God will take care of you. God will take care of you through every way, all along the way. He will. He know you're broke. He will. He know you need a job. He will. He know you put everything on the line. He will. He know you ain't got nothing left. He will. He know you're broken, disgusted, and laying over there, kicked to the curb. He will take care of you. God will. 
take care. Oh, who? He'll take care of you. My dear grandmother. Gracious Father, we come to say thank you. We come, O God, to magnify your name. We magnify your name because, God, of who you are. We know you as the great I am. We know, God, that you are our shepherd. You are our good shepherd. You are our great shepherd. You are our chief shepherd, a shepherd that watches over his rocks. And we thank you for that this morning. We thank you this morning for encouraging words. We thank you this morning, God, because we know that you are the mighty God. We know that you see it all, you know it all, and you understand it all. We know, God, that your love is great. You said that you would take care of your children. You will take care of us, and we thank you. We thank you for letting us just look to you knowing and trusting and believing that you are the author and the finish of our salvation, that you will take care of us that you will open doors for us, that you will make a way for us, that you, dear God, not man, but you, you the great God, you the great, the chief shepherd that's working for us this morning. Help us to just lift our heads up and rejoice and rejoice. The songwriter said, shout before the battle is over. Help us to shout and praise your name. Help us to come and magnify your name. Bow down before you and praise you and magnify your holy name. We come this morning trusting you, believing in you, knowing that you got all power in your hand. And we thank you. We thank you for our speaker this morning. And God, we thank you for the encouraging words that he can stand strong, stand bold, trusting you, magnifying your name, glorifying your name, because it's all about you, God. It's about you. You have heard the cries of your people, and God, you have come to their cries, and we thank you this morning, God. We just want to praise you and magnify your name. Oh, Heavenly Father, we just said thank you. Jehovah, Jehovah, we thank you this morning. We praise you this morning. We glorify your name. Oh, God, you said in all things, give you thanks. And we thank you in advance because we know it's already done. We thank you, dear God, because we know you have already fixed it. We thank you, dear God, because we know that you are in control and you love us and you're going to take care of us. We just praise you this morning. Look on our nation, God. Look on all those that's going to the pole across this whole world, United States, on Tuesday. God, give people peace and contentment. God, move the, the bad folks, the wicked folks, the folks that's plotting to do wrong. Move them out. Move them out, God. Clean them up or move them out, God, that they will not be in control of these elections this year. We put it in your hands, God. 
because God, the people gets fearful to go out. But God, we ask you to move all fears, all doubts, all unbelief, and help them to trust you, knowing that you're able. We just thank you this morning. We praise you. We magnify your name. We love you, God, because we know that you understand all things. And you've heard the cries of your people, and you come to get sent on help. We praise you. We love you. And we give your name all the honor, all the honor, all the glory, all the praises, and we magnify your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen and amen. Have a great day, a great week. Keep your eyes focused on Jesus. Hallelujah.